listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome back to another episode. Training camp finally underway, so basketball, official basketball, real basketball, I'll say just around the corner right now. This podcast, of course, brought to you by the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can subscribe and check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. And of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com. We've had you covered with lots of material, especially since media day, plus the training camp, like I said, officially underway. Uh, you can check out pieces there by Sabrina Merchant, Harrison Fagan, uh, a.k.a. the Scrum Lurker. I hope he hears that one because I saw him in every single clip I saw from Lakers media day. So Harrison, back out of the picture next time. All right. Uh, getting going today with a usual guest that I've had on with me a few times from Sportsnet 650, anchor reporter, also diehard Lakers fan from Vancouver, British Columbia, Marcus Fitzgerald. Marcus, what's going on, my man? I'm doing pretty good today, Jazz. You know, the funny thing with this basketball stuff is that you and I are both so much in football mode for the last few weeks that we finally get to uh, switch gears a little bit. So I'm feeling pretty good, and I'm looking forward to talking about actual games because I know you are too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been it's been uh, I mean, the offseason was longer than we thought it would be coming into last season, obviously, with the yeah. disaster that we had. So uh, it's good. October 5th, right around the corner, that's when the Lakers will open up the preseason. Uh, up in Northern California against the Warriors. And then, of course, we are all looking forward to when things officially get underway Tuesday, October 22nd, when they take on the L.A. Clippers home game. It'll probably end up being because Clippers media day so far looks like nothing but tumbleweed rolling through. There ain't nobody showing up <laughs> showing up to uh, <laughs> the Clippers media day like they were at the Lakers. I want to start off with this, Marcus. Um, the l- message you're kind of seeing, and you guys can check this out. Sabrina Merchant actually wrote, Pretty good uh, recap of this on silverscreenandroll.com. The Lakers kind of making a commitment to taking things slow. And I'm going I'm to go through a couple of quotes here. Kyle Kuzma, who's out with a stress fracture, going to be re-evaluated, re-evaluated pardon me, about two and a half weeks from now. now. Here's a quote from him. Just make the playoffs. That's the first step. Can't talk about nothing else because, organi- because this organization hasn't been to the playoffs in years. So I think that's the goal. From there, you take it day by day. You lay the brick. Eventually, you get a house. So when you look at the difference between last season and coming into this season, I know LeBron was all about patience and saying the right things, that it's going to be a work in progress. And the team started off a little bit slow, started to hit their gear, you know, leading up to that Christmas Day game against the Warriors when, when LeBron ended up getting hurt. And obviously, all we all remember, and we want to put it away, what happened after that. But right now, it, it's kind of funny to me because the Lakers are, to me, in win-now mode, right? They bought in all these veterans. It's not about trying to look at the longer term and, and, the, and the bigger picture, uh, you know, development, that's out of the window. So do you agree with this sentiment right now that they have to take things day by day or is the pressure going to be on Frank Vogel pretty much all right away to get things going? Well, I think because it's the Lakers and it's Los Angeles, there's always going to be pressure on Frank Vogel, especially when Jason Kidd is uh, lurking behind the scenes. Uh, I already saw one Photoshop uh, job of Jason Kidd standing behind Frank Vogel in a photo with a giant <laughs> knife. You probably saw that one too. Yeah, that was pretty good. So like it or not, no matter what the actual goal is, the Lakers and how they approach things in the first month or six weeks, there's always going to be pressure on Frank Vogel. I will say this. Last year when LeBron showed up, because he had made eight straight finals, because he was LeBron James, everyone just assumed, well, the Lakers will get to the playoffs and they'll maybe win a couple of rounds and we'll probably see them in the Western Conference Final. I'm pretty sure that Stephen A. said, or at least predicted, that last year's Laker team would, would make the Western Conference final and make the Warriors sweat a little bit. Now that we've seen the mortality of LeBron, which is something that you and I have talked about on this podcast you know, a, a few times, 
Last year was like, well, LeBron could break down and he might not be as effective, but I would have to see it. Last year, that's what we kind of saw. So I think it's completely fair that um, the expectations are uh, tempered because, as like fans and people in Los Angeles know, it's championship or bust every year. And I think Kyle Kuzma was right. I saw that quote. It was all over Twitter. It was on the jump as well. He said, look, we just want to get to the playoffs. Kyle Kuzma has yet to play a playoff game in his career. So even when they get there, and I think they will this year, um, you're, you're looking at a few guys. And, and I guess now we're at a point where Kyle Kuzma is the only one because the rest of the kids are gone. But <laughs> that's why I think that Kyle said that, because I, I think that they're aware that, you know, we kind of saw what can happen when things go wrong, when keeping it real goes wrong. That's what happened to Lakers last season. So they're right to be calm about it now. But as far as Frank Vogel is concerned, um, they can't slump out of the gate for the first month and six weeks because there's going to be more and more Jason Kidd jokes and that leads to drama. And I don't know that that's something that the Lakers need, although they hired Jason Kidd, so they brought it all on themselves. No, the, yeah, well, the, the Jason Kidd thing, like you said, it's, it's going to go from from being rumors and jokes and whatever to being drama real, real quick because yeah. <laughs> uh, he's the highest paid assistant in the NBA. Obviously, you know, Jeannie Buss, Rob Palenka, they made a concentrated effort to bring him in, right? They, they, they went out there. They said, we're going to have Jason Kidd. He's got to be a part of your staff. He, they said that with reportedly to Ty Lue, um, you know, that this is their guy. So it kind of makes me look at it. Because, you know, and I've looked over the Lakers schedule about 427 times over the offseason. That's how much I miss <laughs> basketball. But when you look at it, okay, they're opening up against the Clippers. Paul George, probably not going to be ready till about November. He said so himself today at Media Day. Yeah. So, I mean, I still think the Clippers are a very, very good team. And I think they'll have a lot of chemistry. But, I mean, again, not playing against a fully loaded team there. Now, their second game of the year in Utah, a place the Lakers have struggled uh, and a lot of teams have, and, and the Jazz are, are one through eight, one through nine, right up there with the deepest teams in the NBA. And then you look at the stretch after that. You got Charlotte, Memphis, Dallas, at San Antonio, at Chicago, home to Miami, home against the Raptors, who, I mean, will be a playoff team, but I don't think a serious championship contender unless Pascal Siakam takes, takes a major leap. But when you look at that schedule, and there's a couple of frisky teams in there like Dallas, like San Antonio, Miami mm-hmm. could surprise some teams too. But the schedule is pretty favorable for the Lakers. I mean, all the way through, like they don't play a legit playoff team, or I don't want to say legit playoff team, but a legit championship contender team, like in between Utah on October the 25th, and then Golden State, they play once. I'm not going to consider that a fully loaded team because they'll be without Clay at that point, and that's on November 13th. And then after that, their next game that they play, like a team that we're, we consider will be a top three, four in their conference and in the West is Denver on December the 3rd. So how important is it that the Lakers get off to a really good start in order to take advantage of that advantageous schedule and kind of iron out the kinks? Well, I would I would say it's certainly important. Uh, you don't want to start like the 2010 Heat did, you know, six and eight out of the gate. And I think that's what happens when when these teams get together. But as we know, the entire um, uh, mindset and the landscape of these teams and how they're built, it's not quite the same. It's tandem. So, I mean, but with the Lakers... Um, so much of their core was was moved out. So chemistry might be an issue. I think that's why LeBron had that little mini camp in September before the actual camp, because even he knew without even publicly saying, hey, look, this is basically a brand new team. It's, you know, there's there's remnants of last year. JaVale's still here. Somehow Rajon Rondo is still here. Um, <laughs> but they are going to have some chemistry issues to start. It's nice that they have a favorable schedule, but 
I, I guess we're at a point where we could launch into the cliches where the NBA is a tough league. It's tough to win every night. Um, Utah, it looks a little bit different for sure. But, I mean, you're right. It's a favorable schedule. And, and what we just said about Frank Vogel and, and pressure with Jason Kidd on the bench looming, if you have a, a what's perceived as a favorable schedule and the Lakers start, I don't know, seven and nine or something like that, I mean – I don't even I don't I don't even want to be near the city of L.A. <laughs> if, if that happens, like it's going to be. A and that's saying a lot because you love L.A. And I love L.A. It's a great city, but I don't want to be near it if they start seven and nine with what is perceived <laughs> as a favorable schedule. Right. <laughs> that's going to be a complete mess. And then what if the Clippers take off out of the gate with Kawhi and, and the chemistry that they probably still have? They moved out a bunch of players as well. But, you know, you add in the L.A supremacy battle too and it could potentially be a really messy disaster so yes it's it's very imperative that they start well but it probably doesn't help that we're pumping up their schedule as favorable oh they, they should be 13 and 4 out of the gate no problem and what if they're not then everybody turns everybody gets upset but it also leads to more content for you guys so maybe that's a good thing i don't know <laughs> well we want the content to happen because the, the team is good because i'll tell you i'll tell you what starts happening even to uh, the, the podcast, the, the interest in, in listening to it, when the Lakers weren't doing that well and the games didn't matter anything in March and April, the, the mm. listenership goes down. And then as we got towards the offseason and, and the first week and the Anthony Davis started rolling, it goes up. So I think the better the Lakers are, the better it is for our site and the better it is obviously for the teams and the city's morale, let's be honest, because if they do start off sitting at something like 8-12 and 12 after 20 games, uh, the the... <laughs> The, the angst and the stress and the anxiety in, in L.A. is going to be uh, at an all-time high. Because this team, I mean, now, there really is, there really is no excuses. And, I, and I'm looking at this, and once the news came out about Kuz, that he's going to have to miss uh, some time indefinitely, you know, with that stress factor in, in his foot, I, I kind of, and again, that, that's where I'm reverting back to the schedule, and I, and I tweeted about this as well, that it's a good thing that, that this is happening now, right? I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. in, in terms of Kuz's personal development and trying to, get him into the roster and into the the flow of things and the lineup combos. Obviously, it's not ideal. Uh, you want to have everybody all hands on deck, kind of ready to go right from the start of the season. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think when you look at him, like especially with Kuzman, Jared Dudley uh, talked about this. They actually both tweeted, um, our guy who's been on the podcast with me a lot, writes for Silver Screen and Roll as well, Alex Regla. Uh, Jared Dudley and Kuz ended up uh, tweeting about his article that was up on, on silverscreenandroll.com that, they want to have him, you know, that Jared Dudley says he wants to basically help uh, Kyle Kuzma reach his potential. And I'm looking at this now with Kuzma and this injury, and I'm hoping his stress factors are funny. They could sometimes take a little while, and sometimes they could be annoying the rest of the season. We don't know how that's going to play out. But when you look at Kuzma, like how important is he to this team and, and, and the success of it? Because to me, once Boogie went down, it's like, all right, you had four scorers with obviously AD, LeBron, Boogie, and, and Kuzma. Now you're down to three. Well, you mean to tell me that uh, Dwight Howard can't give you 18 and 15 every night? Oh, that's right. He can't do that. <laughs> I forgot about that. No, he, might, he might, man. Who knows? I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he had a couple of 20 and 10 games, though. <laughs> well, see, the thing with Dwight Howard is if he gives you two 20 and 10s, we can celebrate that on Twitter for about eight hours. And, yeah. then, uh, and then the world turns and we forget about it. No, it's, it's, it's very important that, uh, that Kyle Kuzma get healthy and get back because, I mean, look, uh, Brandon Ingram had his doubters. There were some Brandon Ingram haters out there. They dissipated after a little while because we found out the kid could play. Um, he would have been perfect for this team. And I'm talking about B.I. Now, essentially, they 
punted on B.I. and they kept Kyle Kuzma. Well, great. Kyle Kuzma's hurt now. They know they're leaning on this guy. They have to because, <laughs> and, I, and I hate to say this because everyone says it, LeBron's 35 years old. It's, it's year 17. We've seen him get hurt once. Even yeah. if LeBron has to miss, you know, five or ten games. Well, guess what? Now you don't have B.I. to create on the perimeter, right? <laughs> now you're going to need Kyle Kuzma to do that. So they absolutely need him to get healthy. Yes, it's good that it's happening now. And I guess, again, favorable schedule. I can't wait for the Lakers to struggle out of the gate. We can make favorable schedule jokes. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's just at a point where, like, it's, it's easy to look at it and go, okay, LeBron and AD, great. Danny Green, okay, he's won championships, great. Avery Bradley, maybe he can play defense, great. JaVale McGee can play D for about a month and a half, and then he's going to get tired. But you got to find the offense from somewhere. And you can run it through Anthony Davis, but they also ran it through Anthony Davis in New Orleans with Drew Holiday, and there's one playoff series victory to speak of. One. So I know I'm being very fatalist here in saying all this, but it's exceptionally important that A, Kyle Kuzma get healthy, and B, Kyle Kuzma get confident and be confident to a point where he can carry the offense for stretches. Because as you mentioned, that's what they kind of hope for with Boogie Cousins. I know that it was uh, a tough ask at times because Boogie's had all those injuries, but that's what he could do. He could carry the bench for stretches, and I think Kyle could do that as well. So if they don't have him out there and LeBron has to sit or AD's tired, it's like, well, where's the offense going to come from? That's the big question. And, that, and I agree with you, and I think that's that's one of the things that and – we, and we saw what happened last year, right, with all the injuries and, and how poorly – Things went especially down down the uh, after Christmas and, and in that stretch between about Christmas and, and February till LeBron really came back and got healthy. Uh, how much the team struggled with injuries and and what it did to their season it torpedoed it. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, as much as I think the Lakers are deeper this year in terms of having NBA level quality proven guys on their squad, there is still a ton of question marks, right? And you're looking at um, you know a Kuzma injury. Uh, let, let's say, you know, AD turns an ankle and he misses seven, eight games. Like, you look at this roster, I don't know where the points are going to come from, right? And and that's where I'm I, I, fully healthy. They're fine. They're going to they're gonna get theirs. Uh, a couple of injuries, or like you mentioned, LeBron, who's turning 35 in, in December, obviously getting up there in age, and it's the old cliche, father time is undefeated. We, we've seen it, you know, cripple a lot of guys' careers. And you kind of look at it, you're like, okay, Quinn Cook, nice offensive piece. I, I like what he brings. Is he going to be able to contribute 15, 16 points a night? Probably not. Uh, Avery Bradley, again, a proven veteran, uh, might be able to score 8 to 10 points a game. Ain't doing much more than that. And you go down the line, like Danny Green's not creating his own shot, right? He's taking him off of, uh, you know, standing in the corner and and hitting spot up three. So, uh, you know, that's the one concern I have with this team. And then, uh, you know, reading what what I've read and following, you know, what's been happening at, uh, at training camp, it's like Rajon Rondo now might, factor into things where uh, LeBron, AD, and Frank Vogel are talking about how much he means to to the squad. So, like, when you look at the roster makeup, what what is your biggest concern? Is is it the scoring, too? No, I, definitely the scoring. I mean, it's very nice that they have shooters. Uh, shout out Magic Johnson. They actually have shooters this time around. But oh, you saw, oh is... people say the Lakers don't have shooting. Oh, the Lakers have shooting. No, Magic, they didn't. But anyways, yeah, okay. Back, no. Back to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 they, no, they didn't. And they do have shooters, but it's all predicated on having actual offensive threats on the floor. I mean, Danny Green's a, a nice player and he's a good defender, but you don't ever want Danny Green putting the ball on the floor. <laughs> you just hope that, you know, you can put him in the right spot so you can kick it out to him. That's why you need LeBron and AD and Kyle Kuzma on the floor. 
you can have shooters, but you need creators. And the Lakers, as presently constructed, have two and a half. I, I don't know that Kuz has hit his ceiling as, as far as being a playmaker is concerned. Hopefully he gets there. Sounds like he wants to get there, and that's great because they're going to need him uh, to be able to do that, to be successful. But, I mean, yeah, no, scoring is going to be difficult. I mean, Avery Bradley might block his own shot, Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to be concerned about that, right? Avery, Avery Bradley might try to block his own shot. Like, there's, there's going to be issues with this club. So, but that's also what's going to make the first month and a half so much fun because if Kuz misses some time, I mean, who steps up? Who's that third guy? There has to be a third guy, right? Like, yeah. is it going to be Danny Green? That, that might be too much to ask. It can't be JaVale. He's going to tire himself out, and it's sure as hell not going to be Dwight Howard. So it's got to be somebody, and, and hopefully uh, Kyle Kuzma gets healthy. <laughs> well, we, we, do, we do know one thing. If, 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 the NBA, if the NBA gave out an award to the team with the guys who've lost the most weight, the Lakers would have won that award with Dwight Howard yeah. and Avery Bradley <laughs> dropping 40 pounds. But Boogie Cousins looked great. I mean, just physically before he went down, too. So I don't know what these guys have with the training and strength and conditioning staff has going with these guys, but I think I need to get on that diet as well. Yeah, how, how are you going to lose 40 pounds? How does, how does that even work? It doesn't even sound healthy to me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did he eat? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Did he eat all off-season? Off because he's not, I mean, he's always been kind of a thinner guy, too, right? I, so I wonder how the hell Avery Bradley lost 40 pounds. Yeah, was there was there a you know, like a like a juicer involved? Did you just turn spinach into into water and, and drink it? I mean, how do you how do you lose how do you lose forty pounds? I, it, whatever the secret is, I'd like to know. Although I'm sure it involves not uh, putting the carbs and the alcohol that you and I put in our bodies. So there's that too. But I, I'd really like to know how you drop forty pounds, and even if that's the actual number, maybe that's why the NBA has decided they want teams to give the exact height and weights for all these guys. Because it's like, yeah, oh, you know what? That's garbage. There's no way ever badly lost forty pounds. So we're going to hold you accountable. You have to give us. His exact weight and his exact height. I don't know. It's pretty right. impressive. Yeah, Dwight Howard went from seven one to about six ten real quick. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I want to jump into some uh, some predictions with you. Obviously, with things getting going, uh, we'll do that, Marcus, after this short break. All right, and we are back. Uh, as I mentioned off the top of the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. You can rate us as well. Hopefully, you give us five stars. If you want to give us four, three, two, one, whatever it is, go ahead and do that as well. Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Uh, don't forget, we're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. You name it, we are there. All right, wanted to jump into some predictions, Marcus. You're looking at the NBA, and, and I've talked about this. As I had Darius Soriano uh, on with me last week, and we we're just talking about the excitement that we have. It's the NBA season, first time maybe since 2014, 2015, that we looked at it and said, we look at the teams and go, I don't know who's going to win this year. Whereas mm -hmm. before, it was like, all right, it's going to be the Warriors, the Cavs. You know, last year, some some guys or some people were saying, OK, the Lakers are going to have something to do with it. Houston as well. A um, bunch of bunch of different teams um, that you knew, maybe four or five to six that, that were in there. But a bunch of different teams that you're like, yeah, they'll get to the playoffs, but they're not winning. You know, a team like Utah yeah. last season, uh, a team like the Spurs that was going to get to the playoffs. Indiana, once Oladipo went down, you were kind of like, all right, yeah, these guys will get there. But, you know, they're not going to they're not going to make much of a dent. So I'm going to start off with you in the Eastern Conference. When you look at the East. Obviously, the Raptors depleted now, losing the aforementioned Danny Green that we talked about as obviously Kawhi Leonard now a Clipper. Where do you look at, where do you see the teams finishing in the East and how do you have them stacked up? Let's just, let's just go through the top four because five through eight, I don't care about the Eastern Conference because it's not good enough <laughs> to talk about. Well, I've got, I've got Milwaukee at one still. I think uh, Giannis still has a little, little more room to grow in terms of his uh, playmaking. I think that um, part of his game was exposed at times uh, against the Raptors in the playoffs. They put Kawhi on him. They locked him up a little bit, followed him up a little bit. Now, uh, Giannis still had his numbers, but 
uh, in terms of putting guys in the right spots. Eric Bledsoe didn't play particularly well, Chris Middleton. And now Malcolm Brogdon's not there anymore, by the way. We mentioned uh, guys that have moved on. I mean, that's a very sneaky loss for the Bucks. They clearly didn't think that um, he was going to be right for their salary structure. And now he's in Indiana, maybe trying to make things happen. I don't know. But I still like Milwaukee because I think you try to go in terms of continuity now, all these new teams and all these new pairings. I, I still go Milwaukee one. I think the Raptors will be maybe a three seed, maybe a four seed. It all depends on Pascal Siakam and, and, and where he uh, uh, hits in terms of where his game is going to be. We expect him to continue to make a leap, but now he has to be kind of the guy next to Kyle Lowry, who's on an expiring deal. Mark Gasol's on an expiring contract. So the Raptors will be penciled in, I think, for about, I don't know, 47, 48 wins. And Milwaukee, I don't know that they finished as well as they did last year, but I could see a scenario where the Bucks finish 57 and 25 and you've got the Raptors at the four seed. And then in the middle there, um, yeah, I obviously rule out the the Celtics, even though switching Kemba from Kyrie uh, from a personality standpoint will help them. Uh, this is the first time since college that Kemba Walker's played in an environment where it's kind of imperative that they win ball games <laughs> and try to yeah. make a run in the postseason. So I don't I don't really count the Celtics all that much. I like the Sixers just in terms of their size. I think they can give teams uh, looks on the defensive end that um, could be pretty intimidating. I mean, you get uh, Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons, but you also get Al Horford in there as well. So I think that's interesting. So I think in the East, it's it's pretty straightforward. I mean, Milwaukee, the Sixers, Toronto, and I'm I'm trying to think of that that fourth team in the East. And I feel like because the East is so strange, it's going to be a team that's going to just jump up on everybody. Maybe it is Indiana. I don't know. Um, if Oladipo is, is back and healthy, and I mentioned Malcolm Brogdon as well, but I feel like it's Milwaukee, uh, the Sixers, the Raptors, and whoever would like that uh, that fourth spot <laughs> jump up and take it. But I feel like we're going to have to wait and see over the course of the year who that group's going to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I do think that the, the Sixers might not have the best record at the end of the regular season, but I think it's 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 theirs to to lose. Uh, just the the depth and the and the top high-end talent that they have there with uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. I mean, hopefully he can hit a four-foot jump shot this season, and he's worked <laughs> on it a little bit over the offseason. Uh, I, I do think this, the Celtics, again, now I'm looking at the East. It's like the Celtics, I, they're good. They're not They're not a championship contender. They're, you know, They might be the three seed in the East, but I don't think that's good enough to play with those two teams. And I, I'm with you. I think it depends on how Oladipo bounces back because if he – is fully healthy, that Pacers team is sneaky good. And they could give the the Sixers or the Bucks like a, a run for their money and get it to a game six or seven. And if you get to a game seven, who knows, right? So that, that would be kind of my sneaky team. Uh, I'm not expecting too much from the Nets. I think, again, they'll be in it for the top four or five seed, but uh, not not really seeing them getting out of there until, uh, until um, uh, Kevin Durant comes back next year. Let's jump over to the West. Uh, when, you, when you're looking at... The Western Conference, man, I'm looking at the teams right now, and I'm like, <laughs> I have no clue which eight are going to make the playoffs. But if you have to look at this, this is how I would go. And I'm just basing this not off of uh, who's going to win the championship, just strictly regular season record. I'm going to go Denver at one, Utah at two. Reason being, those teams have depth. Don't have the top-end talent, again, like a team like the Lakers, like the Clippers, like the Rockets, like the Warriors. But I feel like those guys are going to play their stars 82 games and, and have, you know, again, injury, barring injury, they'll have a full, you know, slate of guys that they have available to them. So those would be my top two. 
I'm going to go the Clippers at three, the Lakers at four, Houston at five, and then I'm going to go. This is where it gets tricky now. But I would I would probably say the Blazers at six, Golden State at seven, and ooh that eight seed. I'm going to take the Mavericks. I'm going to say the Mavericks make a bit of a leap and take the eight seed. How do you have it shaken out? Well, I, I, I kind of like the Mavericks taking a leap this year. Uh, year two of Luka Doncic. Maybe he doesn't have nearly as much baby fat. Maybe he can lose 40 pounds like, uh, <laughs> that like would Avery help Bradley yeah, that... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> can Luka Doncic go see Avery Bradley's uh, health professionals? That, that'd be, that'd be interesting. Have a switch. Luka Doncic gets to go see Avery Bradley's uh, dietitian and strength and conditioning people. And then Avery Bradley <laughs> gets to go check out Luka Doncic's skill coach. And maybe somehow we can make Avery Bradley a little bit better in that regard. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go. Well, well, I mean, no, like, and Kristaps Porzingis looks ripped on, uh, on Instagram as well. So I don't know. I, I think, I think Luka's got some incredible options, at least to, you know, consult with him to try to get that baby fat trimmed off him. But no, I mean, Luka Doncic will be an eventual MVP candidate in this league. So I like Dallas to be in the playoffs, be it a seven or an eight seed. Portland, I don't know. Uh, Hassan Whiteside's obviously a question mark, but as we've talked about many times, it's about tandems and it's about continuity. So Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, if they can have another really nice year, they'll be a playoff team. Uh, I like Utah as well with Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert is the defensive player of the year and a, and a DPOY candidate, although I'm sure that Anthony Davis will have something to say about that. So I like Denver, Utah, Portland, uh, Dallas. And then, you know, you got the... I, I, I don't want to say obvious, but it kind of is. I mean, I, I expect the Lakers to make the playoffs, even if they do kind of struggle out of the gate. They'll eventually find their way. Uh, Houston is fascinating to me. I'm not sure how Russell Westbrook playing off the ball is going to work. I suppose we saw it when he was in OKC with Kevin Durant. But, I mean, Russ is also at a stage in his life and his career, and he said this, where I just want to win a championship. And that's all well and good, and it's nice to say that on media day, but yeah, um, uh, I, I would like to see that in the second round of the playoffs when when the heat's turned up a little bit. Who's actually going to have the ball? We know it's going to be James Harden. I just want to know uh, how Russell Westbrook is going to react to that. So Houston's in there as well. I, I guess from one to eight, I kind of like Denver as the one seed, even though Denver might be one of those one seeds where you don't really have any confidence in them. They just they stick together and they win 55 games. And hey, the Nuggets are the one seed, right? And then after that, I, I think it's, I think it's some form of, of Clippers, Lakers. You can throw the Warriors in there as a six. Um, Portland, uh, San Antonio, I don't think has the horses this year, finally. Um, so, I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty much with you. I'm just curious to see how Dallas can, can make the leap. Dallas is actually going to be here in Vancouver in a couple of weeks to play the Clippers in a preseason game. So I hope we all get a chance to see Luca a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be uh, – it's going to be a war in the West and uh, the Eastern conference. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But you know, Western conference hits, it's, it's going to be a show. Who do you, who, who is one team in the West that you don't want the Lakers to match up with, let's say in round one, like where does the most dangerous team for the Lakers to play just based off what we know now in terms of roster composition? Well, you know what? I think uh, the hallway staples battle uh, might not lend itself if Kawhi and Paul George are healthy, because I know the Clippers don't necessarily have a lot in terms of rim protection. But as I've said before, you might not be able to get to the basket on these guys uh, defensively. If you've mm -hmm. got those guys out on the perimeter playing at that end of the floor the way that they can. And we just talked about it on this show where, OK, who's going to score? If LeBron James isn't going to score, well, it's got to be Kyle Kuzma. Well, what if Kuzma's having an off night? Now you got to ask Danny Green to put the ball on the floor? Uh-oh, that's not good. So I actually think the toughest matchup for the Lakers in a playoff series would be the Clippers, just based on 
what the Clippers can be capable of defensively on the perimeter, because that could change everything. And the Clippers could do that against Houston. They could do that against Portland. They could shut down backcourts all over the league. But I just think that that would be the toughest postseason matchup, as fun as it would be in L.A. uh, I don't know how much fun it would be out on the perimeter wearing a Laker uniform, having to deal with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I, 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 you hit the nail on the head with that because if you got Pat Beverly, Paul George, and you didn't mention him, Pat, Pat Beverly, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard, those are three lockdown dudes, three of the top 10 perimeter defenders in the NBA, arguably top five. And so mm-hmm. that's where I, I do think the Lakers uh, might have a, I might have a matchup problem with, with the Clippers. So, but when I look at the rest, like nobody else in the West, the only team, and, and I know people aren't talking about them now and they will be come time for March is the Warriors. I, you know, I, I don't, I, right now, it, everybody's kind of like, well, you know, Steph Curry's going to have to legitimately put the whole team on his back and carry them in terms of offensively into the playoffs. I think he's good enough to do it. Uh, Draymond Green, obviously nothing to seize at as well. He'll, he'll be a difference maker. But th- those are the two teams I, I would be just afraid to, to match up with for the Lakers. But, I mean, I, I think the Lakers beat Houston in a seven-game series as things stand right now. I think the Nuggets could make some, make things interesting just because of how much of a home court advantage they have playing at altitude there uh, in, in Colorado. So, you know, that that's another team where I look at, I'm like, they might be able to get to six or seven, but I'm not worried about the Lakers beating them. Portland, certainly not worried about uh, LeBron James matching it. Because if you go LeBron James, AD against CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, I'm, I'm taking LeBron and AD 10 times out of 10 yeah. and twice, twice on Sunday, right? Like who, yeah. who else really matches up with the Lakers that you're scared of in terms of, of crunch time and pressure time? None of those teams scare me. Like, from a Lakers perspective, just get through the regular season healthy. You don't want to finish as an eight seed or something like that to make your road that much tougher. But, you know, if you, if you can get in and maybe get home court advantage through the first round, either finish at three or four, I think they're going to be sitting pretty. Yeah, no, I I think so, too. Uh, you know, just try to stagger uh, LeBron's rest and, and AD's rest, because that's going to be the other thing, too. I mean, these guys aren't going to play 82 games each. We know they're not. So... They're really going to have to manage that schedule-wise. And maybe we see it early in the season. I don't know because, hey, favorable schedule. How many times have we said that in the last 45 minutes? But I, I think you're right. I, I think they just need to, A, find the continuity, B, not worry about Jason Kidd, C, get healthy, and then uh, hopefully hopefully you have uh, home court advantage for the first round because after that, anything's possible. But you, you need that in the opening round. You don't want to go on the road and be the proverbial team that no one wants to face because – that doesn't really count in the West because if you're playing a higher seed in the West, well, there's, there's a lot of good teams, right? So uh, I do think that the Lakers, yes, have to be healthy, but they have to at least have a uh, home court advantage in the opening round of the playoffs to have a legitimate shot at moving on. Cause I, I don't think you want to climb from the bottom of the ladder in the West. Not on that. Kind no. Of. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. Like you don't want to have to go to Denver to play a game seven, right? Like in, in round no. one, you're, you might have to eventually, but in round one, you don't want to do that. Uh, let's wrap up on this, Marcus. The big question with with this team, and Frank Vogel said nothing's been decided yet. He's gonna, you know, wait things, wait to see how things go through camp, through through the preseason, before deciding on the lineup. Now, obviously, as a coach, I'm telling you this right now, even though he's not going to say it publicly. Frank Vogel has an idea. He's pretty sure with who he's going to go with his starting five. But unless some of these guys kind of step up a lot and and maybe. Outdo expectations in in the preseason. I, I don't think that'll change. But the one thing I do want to bring up: Captain America, Alex Caruso. Uh, <laughs> seems like he's like everybody's favorite Laker, right up there with LeBron and AD in terms of popularity. And according to us, Alex Caruso stands. We we love him, right? You know what I mean? He's yeah. just like he, he's the next dude. Um, when you when you look at the point guard spot, 
and, and again, we, we don't know yet because we haven't seen any any game action. If you look at all the advanced stats and, and the metrics, uh, Alex Caruso, much better option than Rondo in terms of what he brings defensively. Um, the team was was 10 points better per 100 possessions with with uh, Caruso on the floor as a defender rather than Rondo. Where does where do you think Caruso fits in? Do you think he has a shot at, at being a starter on this team? Well, he certainly has a shot, but I think um, in terms of bringing guys in off the bench, when you want to change a pace, when you want to uh, create a little offense, um, I mean, Rajon Rondo has his detractors, obviously. Um, I, I think Anthony Irwin has uh, uh, said this very vociferously on social media for the last year and a half, and he's, he's ramping up to go again. Um, but no, I mean, it's at a point with Caruso where, and we just talked about this second unit offense. Where is it coming from? I, I don't, and I don't say that to suggest that they need Alex Caruso to score 20 points, but if you need, you know, a change of pace, a bit of a jump, a spark offensively, I think Caruso can provide that a lot more than Rajon Rondo can. So I think for right now you put Rondo in the starting lineup. And then if Caruso can show off the bench, how effective he can be, you might have no choice, but to start Caruso at point guard. I think it's, more favorable to the Lakers if you uh, nurture along Caruso a little bit because yeah we we stand him and we hype him but a lot of that social media stuff and Captain America and all this he actually has to put this together on the floor now I, I think you have to shelter Caruso a little bit to start and then it may reach a point where it's like hey there's no way the Caruso can't start for this basketball team because if you start him and he struggles well then suddenly all that happy, nice, warm Captain America, we stand Caruso stuff kind of drifts away, right? So I think oh, that's how it they doesn't have... just drift away, it gets smashed right down there. Right? <laughs> like, people are gonna have patience for it. And then and that's the thing with uh, like you're mentioning, like if you do start Caruso, which I, I don't think is a right idea to do off the jump, but like you know, from from game one of the season, unless he just balls out completely in uh, in the preseason and, and he forces his way in there, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I do think they they have options, right? And and that's where it's like, you know, at the end of the game, if, if again, all, all things being equal in terms of injury, you're probably going to have AD, LeBron, Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, those four out there for sure, right? That's, yeah. you know, at the end of the game. Now, the fifth spot, it could be something that it, it, it varies depending on the opponent. It varies depending on which, like, there might be a night where JaVale McGee is playing really well. So you're going to go with him because... They have another big man out there like uh, a, a Jokic, right, that, that he can match up with. Um, if, if, if it's not uh, JaVale, maybe Dwight Howard's having a good game every, you know, once every four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, whatever it is, games, he's playing really well. You want him out there. Or Quinn Cook, another example, Avery Bradley. So I, I think it's good for Frank Vogel to have these options, you know, available to him. But again, not ideal, I think, overall in terms of the offensive thing. But I, I do agree with you. I think that point guard spot is going to be a, a revolving door throughout the regular season. Yeah, and, and I think that's going to be the biggest question with this team, aside from uh, LeBron and AD health and continuity and that stuff. It's like, who's that Who's that fifth guy? Are they going to bring a fan down from the from the Staples Center Raptors to run the point for a night? I don't know. But, I mean, hopefully it's hopefully it's Rajan to start because then you can bring Caruso off the bench and then Caruso can maybe grow into a role. I think that's the biggest thing. If they can do that, if they can let him do that, and Caruso actually shows that he is Captain America on the floor, then there's this whole new wrinkle that we kind of expected, at least hope for on Twitter, we might actually see it. So I, I think that's the biggest thing. I can't believe we're saying this, but Alex Caruso might actually be a real big X factor for this basketball club, not just on Twitter. Yeah, though he was. Twitter, he is the superstar, hopefully on the court. He delivers as well. Marcus, I can't wait for the season to get started. My, my weekdays 
are, are killing me. I'm bored. I'm old. I don't do anything else except for sit there and watch, watch sports and watch TV. So I, I can't wait for the season to get started. Uh, thanks again for doing this, man. No problem, buddy. Anytime. All right. That's Marcus Fitzgerald, reporter and anchor with Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. As I mentioned, huge Lakers fan as well. Don't forget to follow him on Twitter at Marcus Fitzy. And don't forget to follow us as well at Lakers SBN. Always putting out new stats, opinions, analysis, also some funny memes. Thanks to guys like Grant Goldberg and, and Anthony Irwin, always joking around, putting funny stuff out there. And of course, check out Silverscreen and Roll.com. We'll have you covered right from now, basically, hopefully through June, when the Lakers are still playing in terms of their news, uh, stats, Alex Regula, Harrison Fagan, the entire uh, writing crew there has done an awesome job, especially throughout the offseason. And of course, as I've mentioned before, subscribe to the podcast network. You can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there. That does it for this episode. We're about a week away from the first preseason game. So Lakers fans, the long, long, long offseason is finally over. Things are going to get start getting real pretty quick here. All right, that does it again. We'll check you guys out next time.